0: Follow us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you listen.
2: It's the outcome that you you hope that can be prevented. You hope that, that that doesn't need to happen. It does drive home the reality that people are experiencing violence every day, that not everyone is safe in their homes. And that they need help.
1: Right now on
2: KSL Plus. But there may be difficult conversations in the days ahead in your own home.
0: Tragedies like this one impact so many
1: people well outside Enoch. Shooting friends and strangers in the community are coming together to help out. A
2: teenage girl shot and killed by who family tells us was her 17-year-old boyfriend.
1: We've seen it in the news over the last couple of weeks. So we had a domestic... Incident. A man threatening a woman before setting a house on fire in Davis County. Dead tonight, police say the victim of a shooting, another tragedy rocking rural Utah. A boyfriend shooting and track killing track his 16 year old girlfriend in Paiute County. From the neighbors responding to the scene to the classmates of the victims. We and a father a killing his family really before taking his own life in Iron County. The gunman, police say, was Tasha's husband, Michael. Police are still investigating these. And there are many more domestic violence incidents that don't make the headlines.
3: This is the stuff that we're doing constantly. There just may be more people willing to have a conversation about it, and it's just a little bit more in the spotlight.
1: I'm Matt Rascone, and this week, my conversation with Kate Sorensen, Executive Director of Canyon Creek Services, based in Cedar City.
3: We are designated as a community-based victim uh, services organization. So, that's just a long way of saying that we provide services and support to victims of domestic violence and sexual assault. The
1: local nonprofit is on the front lines of the effort to end domestic violence every day in that area.
3: Our designated service area is Iron, Beaver, and Garfield counties.
1: And over the last couple of weeks, they've been working to help the community heal and move forward from the tragedy. The suspected nature of these killings, those working with domestic violence victims are reminding people. Help is out there.
3: I think it's New still really difficult to tell to violence... what the lasting impacts are going to be on the community. But immediately, I would say that it's definitely been a ground-shaking event. Um, very far-reaching throughout the community, obviously. You know, lots of opportunities for people to have known members of the family or interacted with them, uh, gone to school with them. Um And so it's kind of been a little bit far reaching in ways that other types of domestic violence, homicides, or um, homicide suicides maybe haven't been in the past. Um, And we've had a couple of those since I've been around almost a decade now. Um, And so this one's just, just really kind of brought a lot of people together because they've they have had some kind of either connection to the event or they definitely know somebody who is connected to one of the family members or worked with you know one of them something like that and so right now the effects have really been a everyone's kind of gathering whether that's talking to each other physically gathering um you know coming out to support services like ours or law enforcement or like that's it's been a mobilization of sorts for us to be like oh my goodness how has this happened in our community we're really motivated to say like how do we you know make this so it doesn't happen again how do we support the people who are affected the families the first responders those kinds of things um so it's definitely been a mobilization as far as you know long term i hope in our community that we'll really move towards engaging in active prevention and, you know, support, continuing to support those first responders, law enforcement, social workers, all the individuals that work with these kinds of cases on a day-to-day basis. Um, And, you know, we don't get complacent in that. We've seen a lot of movement on people having conversations around Domestic violence specifically, or um, talking with you know friends and family about experiences that they've had, we have seen an increase in calls. Um, people who are experiencing abuse themselves, or people who are reaching out to say, "I've had a family member I've been, or a friend I've been worried about for some time, and I I need to make sure that they're okay. I need I need to know how to talk with them. I need to know, you know, what I should or shouldn't say." So I think. Um, we've seen an activation, and luckily we do have some resources here to support people having that like awakening moment of saying, hey, there are things that we can do differently or that we can address or respond to or bring something into the light. Um, that would be more difficult in a community that maybe didn't have as many resources available, uh, but it's difficult to tell what what will happen going forward. Our services are maxed and super full all of the time. Um, it's not like we've seen a spike and like we didn't have anyone you know, staying in our shelter or our advocates were like twiddling their thumbs all the time, you know, we, we are busy. Um, and so the change has been people reaching out to say like, I'm ready to support someone in my life who I maybe was like, ah, that's their private business. We've seen a big change in that. Um, which is wonderful. We need that kind of support. And we've also seen a change in what we're doing becoming more visible to other people or people becoming more aware of what we do.
4: What resources, specifically, I mean, someone calls uh, your hotline, what resources do you offer?-
3: uh, So someone calls our hotline that that is staffed 24 hours a day by a trained victim advocate who works at our agency. Our victim advocates, act; um, they're the same as what some might look at as a case manager. Um, So our advocates sit down with that individual or work with that individual in whatever capacity they're comfortable with. They have a variety of needs assessments, um, ways to kind of determine the level of risk and danger in a situation. We work on, you know, the lethality assessment with law enforcement. We also do that at our agency to kind of assess how legal a situation could potentially be. Um, they safety plan. Uh, they provide, you know, legal support and resources, um, type of order, stalking injunctions. We work in constant communication with the different systems around here, court systems, um, DCFS, those kinds of things. We do uh, have an emergency shelter. Um, it's frequently full um as is every shelter across the state if you talk to any of them right now um, we're constantly trying to find creative ways to do overflow in hotels or with other agencies um and we provide you know emotional support we're relaunching our our therapy services program that kind of just depends on what funding is available to be able to provide those kinds of services because utah Uh, Saw a little bit of a decrease in, it. well, not just Utah, but across the board, there was a decrease in federal funding through the Victims of Crime Act, which is really our primary funding source for agencies like ours to provide services. And so we had the demand increase and then we had our resources decrease. And so programs like ours have really been able to or have been fighting to find ways to be able to say we have to maintain and grow the level of resources that we're providing. We don't have the we don't have the ability to decrease what we're doing, and so um, we're we're doing we're doing it all. <laughs> um, and really, if, if they talk with an advocate, um, we work with individuals who are re- who are in abusive relationships or situations, and they are looking for a way out. And we also work with individuals who maybe aren't ready to leave yet, or haven't considered leaving and are trying to mitigate what's happening in their relationship. So we need everybody where they're at. Um, They don't have to have a a court case or any kind of police report in order to work with us. That's completely, um, you know, self-identified. It's confidential. It's free. And, um, you know, we we do our best to respond to needs as, as they come in. Well, Mike and Debbie, homicides in rural communities are actually three times as likely
2: to be domestic violence related than in large cities. Now, I spoke with experts today.
4: uh, What would you say to the the area that you serve to let people know this is how prevalent this is in our area? Like it's not just when you see it on the news.
3: I mean, Utah has a higher than average than the national average occurrence of domestic violence for women. Um, nationally it's one in four women experience it and Utah it's one in three Um, and then that does not discriminate against a rural area that that's happening here so statistically it it happens and it happens frequently and the people that you are around that you're with potentially family members that you have um, they either have experienced it or they are experiencing it and the you know the safest and best thing we can do is have conversations about it. Talk about it, you know, make sure that we're really getting rid of the notion that it's not our business. That's for one in three
2: women and it's one in four men for intimate partner violence.
3: And again, that's something that
2: we don't sit in enough is talking about. You know, I I think I when I think of that number, I think driving down my road and counting houses. And you think that's one in three. It's a really large impact um, but it is not something that we're talking enough about or helping people understand that they can be impacted by that. They most likely know someone who is impacted by that. And um, they're they're often a, a point of help for someone, and they don't even know it.
1: Jen Campbell is the executive director of the Utah Domestic Violence Coalition.
2: I've, I have lived here my whole life, and so I guess sometimes I, I think, oh, you know, what, what's happening here in Utah? But as you look nationally, I think you see that. I think that, um, unfortunately, often the way we talk about it and the way we handle violence is not it hasn't come very far and so um this idea that that people are you know can make these choices or can do these actions sometimes. They, they don't have the support to do that, or, or even you know the community doesn't know how to respond to that, or they don't have a, a mentor or something that they've seen and someone making a choice to do that. And so I think it is very isolating and, and worrisome. It's unfortunately a lot more common than anyone knows. I think if they knew how many people are experiencing violence, they would know they're not the only one and that many people are experiencing this, but, but it's not something people share often or talk about. Why is it? Uh, Many reasons. Some of the things that I've seen is, you know, we we definitely don't know how to talk about violence in a healthy way. Um, And so what I mean by that is um, we don't often name it. We don't often talk about it. You know, how do we talk about it with our children? How do we talk about it? I, I feel like often we... We're hoping that it doesn't exist or it's not happening and so by maybe not recognizing it or not seeing it we we're turning a bit of blind eye to that idea that it is it's existing and happening and so when someone's experiencing it personally and they have not seen that or haven't seen a community that names that owns it or talks about it or a state that names and owns it talks about it it becomes really scary to be the first person to say this is what i'm experiencing and then often they find again that there are many people that are experiencing it but because we don't talk about it enough. People don't feel that they're, they're the, they feel they're, on, they're the only one.
3: If we have a concern that someone could be unsafe or is not being treated well or, um, you know, anything, any measure of, of some kind of abuse or domestic violence, you know, an unusual amount of power and control being exerted over an individual, it's okay for us as humans and we have to check in with each other and make sure that those connections are solid and formed so that people have some place to reach out to. Um, you know, one of the big things that happens with abuse, one of the very first things that perpetrators do is isolate that person from their general support network. Um, and so people can say like, oh, well, I still have, if you get isolated from, you know, your really close friends, your really close family, um, you can have you know, acquaintances that you might still be in contact with. It's not like you're locked in a basement. You know, in some circumstances, in extreme circumstances that might be the case. But we need to really about relationships and how they how they date and how they, you know, talk about their expectations and boundaries about being treated a certain way or, you know, treating someone else a certain way. How do we set those expectations young? How do we talk about that in our own marriages? Um, our own relationships. So I think that's really kind of the thing that we need to make sure we keep out in the light. We we need to not let this die out and have people go back to, you know, whatever normal looked like. We need to make sure that we have the strength to be able to say, I'm making a commitment, just like I'd make, you know, a New Year's resolution or a promise to my, you know, my family or my kids. Like, I made a commitment to make sure that we're having these conversations and and educating ourselves about what this looks like, because it's absolutely I'm preventable. Here
0: in Junction, I'm actually just right outside of Paiute High School, where 16-year-old Jacqueline Nunez was a student. She was a sophomore. Uh, her, tonight, her family, the community, uh, those who went to school with her, they are all grieving, trying to make sense of what happened here, and now uh, learning that her 17-year-old boyfriend is the one who is in jail. It can happen young,
4: right? And I, and I assume there are children also in that same situation, maybe even in a single parent home. Um, what, uh, how does, how do they get, you know, connected to resources when they're that young?
3: You know, there's a lot of really great work being done in the state and across the country on uh, the ways that we bring that kind of education um, into schools or have resources available for parents to be able to do that in the home. Um, It's a huge focus because a lot of times, you know, if you don't know how to have a conversation with your child about um, even like bodily autonomy and boundaries and the way that we talk about, you know, in regards to sexual abuse, a big conversation is teaching our kids how to identify their body parts in the correct anatomical terms. That's just, you know, that wasn't normal when I was a kid. Like my parents never called it what it was. Um, and so giving parents the resources and availability and making sure they're visible and seen in spaces like schools, in spaces like, you know, community uh community spaces, rec centers, wherever it might be, having that that those kinds of materials available for people to say, like, if I want to have a conversation with my teenager about how to stay safe when you're dating, does that what does that look like? Where do I find it? And there's been a lot of um, there's a lot of really great resources that have been created. I know that the Utah Department of Health has an entire, you know, office dedicated to preventing violence. Um, and that's their whole job is they focus on how do we, how do we, you know, create programs that are accessible? Um, how do we help parents? How do we connect? And so um, that's that's a really, really big piece of it is giving people the tools to have those conversations or else you're going to get the conversation. You know, that I had when I was dating that was just don't do it and, you know, don't don't kiss anybody. You don't you know, you can date when you're you can kiss someone when you're 18 or when you're married, like those kinds of joking kind of situations. Or, you know, if he hits you, I'll kill him in the words of my dad. But we never really talked about like there's a there's a spectrum of that, you know, someone's coercing me into doing something. If, you know, I have a boyfriend in these days with technology that is, you know, saying, hey, you have to give me the passcode to your phone or, um, you know, you can't go to the basketball game because I told you you couldn't. And understanding that those are markers of, you know, red flags of issues within a relationship that we need to be able to give our, our kids, our teens the ability to say, you know, that's not... Uh, that's not appropriate, that's a boundary for me, that's something that, you know, you can't ask, it's not healthy. Um, Ways for them to be able to deflect those conversations, have an open space in their home to be able to say, hey, mom, dad, this happened, I feel kind of weird about it, how would you respond? And sometimes we're so eager as parents to shut down anything that could could cause our kids harm um, Mm -hmm. that we react at the end of the spectrum, cut everything off, take the phones away, all those things when our kids really need a space to be able to to ask those questions and get those answers without just, you know, Googling it or, or texting a friend who may have less access than, than you do. Welcome back. As
2: the investigation continues, the deaths in Enoch are already sparking conversations on Utah's Capitol Hill.
1: Several bills are in the works to curb domestic violence and better protect victims. So,
4: so many of, uh, of these these terrible tragedies uh, happen when, um, it, when when someone has already made threats or has, has already done something and then they escalate. If we can get to that earlier, understand what's happening, uh, we, we have the ability to prevent it from happening in the first place.
1: Governor Spencer Cox allotted $53 million to domestic violence prevention in his proposed budget. The Utah State Legislative session started this week, and there are proposed bills that would help connect victims to resources and put restrictions on ammunition or firearms for people who have committed domestic violence.
4: As well as bills that will help law enforcement uh, communicate better so that we can prevent this from happening. and then just lastly i'm uh, you know you talked a little bit about uh it's hard to tell right now you know what the lasting impacts of uh, this uh, will be on the community um do you have any anything that you would share with the rest of the state on just your takeaways from the last couple weeks and seeing the community try to move on from this and heal from this and and what you hope will will uh, end up happening
3: i think it's so it's so difficult to really like know what everyone needs needs to hear but my take on it has been that i've been overwhelmed in the positive way of seeing a community like i said mobilize and support one another and come to come together in a way to say like you know this isn't this isn't something that we want to be able to happen in an our, in our community, how do we support the people affected? And I think we've reached we've reached a place as a society that we didn't used to really worry that much about the people who dealt with witnessing these kinds of things. And I really loved that our community alongside of supporting the family has been, how do we support the people who have been dealing with, you know, responding to the incident or supporting those who responded or, you know, the kids at the schools or the teachers or I've been really proud of us for saying, hey, this, this has really big ripple effects. How do we as a community make sure we have resources available and how creative we've gotten? And I think maybe that's the message to everyone is, you know, who who do you need to have connections with in your communities to make sure that if there was, you know, heaven forbid, some kind of event like this or or maybe in the best case scenario that you were doing some prevention work, who do you need at the table? You know, who's who's missing? Is there someone who's doing this kind of work that you could come to the table and say, I may have something to offer. I'm a therapist with skills and information. Can we create a response plan as a community? Can we get, you know, can we write a grant to create materials to have available for parents at the beginning of each school year about how to talk to your kids about X, Y, and Z? You know, what, what could you be doing proactively as a community, but also in the event of hopefully not but a tragedy? How are you going to show up? How is the state of Utah okay. going to show up? What are we saying is, is the standard that we're going to set? What should people in the state of Utah expect from their leaders and from their government? We
2: love you. We see you.
3: We mourn with you. Having the lieutenant governor attend the vigil. Thank you for loving each other. Thank you for setting the example. was a really good starting place to be able to say, we're invested, we're here, we're listening, we're looking at this. Um, it's something that we're not going to sweep under the rug and we're going to take hard looks at it and we're going to have difficult conversations. Um, and I would just encourage, even if it gets raw and hard, Keep going, keep moving through it, keep having those conversations because I think our families, our communities, um, our friends, our partners, like they're worth it. You know, and I'd love to have a place where my kids, when they're married or dating, they have more access, more resources available, laws that are in a better place, um, more accountability for, you know, perpetrators in different aspects of society. I would hope that we've made progress in that area and that we've been continuing to do the hard work even when it's hard so even though you know we're we're tired and we have a lot going on in utah we've had death we've had pain that we just we keep going
1: Again, if you or someone you know is dealing with domestic violence, there is help available 24-7 at 1-800-897-LINK.
2: And that number, anyone can call and talk confidentiality. So they are confidentially, they don't have to call and say, this is my name. They don't have to give, you know, any information about themselves. They can call and speak to an advocate. It's a 24-hour hotline. And what's going to happen is that person just hears what they need and connects them to resources. And this can be anyone who's experiencing violence, anyone who's had an issue with violence, anyone who's in a family of someone who's experiencing violence. We're not there to sit there and um, we're not looking for a police order, we're not looking for any of those pieces. We don't force anyone to do any of those pieces. We're just here to hear what they need to provide resources and connect them.
1: That does it for us this week on KSF Plus. I'm Matt Rascone. I'll see you again next week.
3: It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce.